Welcome to Parkview. We're glad that you're here. We're talking about God, the God I wish you knew. And uh, today I want to talk about how God guides us. It was about 25 years ago that God guided my wife and I to uh, Chicagoland. We're from the South, places where God actually designed people to live. <laughs> uh, we know that we were called by God to come here, and the story of how it all happened is really, really crazy. I got to tell you, I almost left the first summer when my tomato plants froze on Memorial Day. And I had to go find some new ones, but we knew it was God's plan. I was in uh, Florida for a conference a week ago, because I'm not stupid, and uh, I, I walked into this restaurant in Bonita Springs, Florida, and somebody grabbed my arm and said, Pastor Tim, <laughs> which happens a lot more than you would imagine all over the place, and uh, just turned out that these were some people that um, were instrumental in how God worked everything out. I mean, they were a part of the early part of the church, and, you know, I, I knew who they were. I, I, I was familiar with the story and how they connected somebody that connected somebody that was connected to me and a, and a, and a, a youth minister friend in St. Louis where I was at the time, and how I was talking to him one day, and he told me about this church, and, and the whole thing that it always happened, the way that it all went together, how we got here was an absolute God-guidance story. It doesn't mean that I always like it, but it was a God-guided story. As a matter of fact, I was just thinking this week, we, have a, we planted a, a, a church in Cancun. <laughs> could, I, could I get parking lot attendants? I mean, could we just make it a campus, you know, and uh, I could send video back here, right? I mean, that'd be okay, wouldn't it? You don't, don't mind if I'm in a Tommy Bahama shirt with a little umbrella drink, do you? That'd be great, right? I, I, uh, I just really want you to understand that I do believe that God guides us. And I think the guiding thing is really important because we've got to understand who God is. We talked about God being the father last week. He's our daddy. Today, it's God guide us. And the reason this is important is because Jesus said the number one commandment is to love God. And you can't love him if you don't know him. A.W. Tozer said it this way, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's the most important thing. So you need to understand who God is. And he guides us. So to get us started today, let me just start with the end of a verse that probably a lot of you know and help you to understand this. And I just want you to repeat this after me. He will make your paths straight. Say that. He will make your paths straight. There is a promise that God is going to make our paths straight. He promises that he will guide us. And I'll explain the first part of that verse later, but I just want you to understand that God is going to help you. There's a promise that he has made to us to guide us. It's not always easy to figure out. Sometimes you have to kind of, you know, weigh your options and, and go back and forth and ask God a lot of questions before you make a decision. And I got to be honest, sometimes it's tricky. Sometimes it feels like the poison wine goblet scene in one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm afraid I'm going to wake up and realize God wanted me in Cancun in the first place, you know? Is that how you feel? Like maybe I got to trick God to find out how I'm supposed to know the answers. So how do we tap into the God positioning system, the GPS that helps us to understand what God really wants? The problem is that most of us would love if we just got, you know, a morning paper from God, wouldn't we? We would just love if we knew that, that God in the morning paper from God, it said, hey, today I want you to sign up to host a small group because obviously I want you to do that. And the guy that you meet at lunch today, I want you to give him $20 because he's having a hard time and he needs you. And Joe in the cubicle next to you, he's got some stuff going on. Why don't you spend some time with him on your coffee break? And by the way, on your way home, why don't you stop and get some flowers for your wife? Don't forget to do that. It's been a while since you've done that. Um, but don't expect anything in return because that's not happening tonight. 
It'd just be nice to know ahead of time, wouldn't it, you know? I would love to have the specifics on what's going on in life, but God doesn't usually work that way. Usually God works more in his will and in his guidance, something like an umbrella, all right? I think God's, God's whole idea of guiding us is that God, for the most part, is going to guide us underneath the umbrella of what he wants us to do, and then we make decisions on what we're going to do along the way. Let me read the whole verse to you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Dallas Willard explained it this way. He said, when, uh, when my kids were in my backyard, they were in my will, okay? Uh, they were in my will. I didn't care if they were playing in the sandbox or drawing with chalk or kicking a ball. They were in my will. And I, that's, that's what I believe this is. If you trust in God and you acknowledge him, then he will lead you. He will make your path straight. He will lead you. Now, let me explain the will of God to you. Let me give you a little theology 101 just, just, just for a minute, and then I'll explain how we can figure it all out. There's three parts to God's will. The first part is the providential will of God. And that is the part of the will of God where he is going to do what he's going to do, right? Here's an example. Um, When uh, I read this scripture last week in regard to God being our father, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption, full rights as sons. That's what what he promised to do. And uh, by the way, for those of you that... We're praying for uh, the friend of ours that was going to be adopting, that was adopting the baby and the birth mom was having second thoughts. I can tell you now the rest of the story because baby Henry was in our service, last service. They got to bring the baby home and, and that, thank you for your prayers. And I'm calling him my grandson-in-law. You didn't know the relationship. It's actually my son-in-law. It's his sister and brother-in-law. So I'm calling him my grandson-in-law. Henry's here, and that worked out. Awesome prayer prayer requests, okay? Awesome, awesome praying on your part because it happened. But the point of the story for this is it said when the time had fully come. In other words, God was going to make it happen in his timing no matter what. Did he use Mary? Of course he did. Would he have gone to somebody else if Mary would have said no? I don't know, but it didn't really matter because God knows everything, so he knew Mary was going to say yes. I mean, there's a lot of brain twist in here, but you've got to understand it was God's timing. That's when Jesus came. That's when, we, that's when we had the first Christmas. It was God's timing, providential will, what he's going to do anyway. The second part is the moral will of God. All right? this, this, the moral will is what God wants us all to do. And we find the moral will of God in here. It's very simple. That's why he gave us this. For example, here's one for you. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. What does that mean? That means there ain't no shades of gray anywhere when it comes to God's will for your life outside of marriage, okay? I mean, that's that's God's will. You don't have to be in it, but God's will is outside of marriage, you're supposed to avoid sexual immorality and learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable. Inside of marriage, you you know, whatever, keep the passion alive. We talked about that, but outside is black and white, all right? There's no gray. The third part of the will of God is the personal will, all right? For us, that would have been, you know, the moving to Chicago. For the Apostle Paul, for example, a call to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. 
He might not be calling you to be an apostle. He might not be calling me to be an apostle, but he called the apostle Paul. All right. He, 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 he called us to move here. I, I, I can tell you very definitively, this church wasn't in great shape. There's 150 people meeting over in Tenley, and um, the previous pastor and another pastor in the area said, don't go to that church. They're a mess. All right? And, uh, and yet, when we got to the motel room after that first interview, we just felt so strongly we, we cried because we didn't want to move away, but we felt so strongly that God was calling us to live here. God might not want you to live here. You might just be dumb. <laughs> but it's personal well, for me and for my wife is that we do. Obviously, we've offended him somewhere along the way, okay? See what I'm saying? So, so here's the question. With the, with the providential and the moral and the personal will of God, how does God guide me? How does God guide me to get underneath the umbrella, Ella, Ella, A, A? God guides us through Scripture. God guides us through Scripture. I mean, I said that already, but I, I want to point it out again, all right? Scripture is what illuminates the path for us. The unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. The psalmist, again, said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to know where you should be going, this is the very simplest way you could figure it out. And again, this is going to be the umbrella. This is not going to be specifics. This is going to be the umbrella, but you should use this to figure it out. Now, now let me talk about the specifics. Let, let's just say you're reading along uh, in Leviticus, uh, you know, and you read along and you see, oh, there's a scripture there where God says, do not wear clothing made out of two types of fabric. Uh, if you're looking for the specific will of God, I would suggest that you not go to this to try to find the specific will of God for you. Because that was an Old Testament command, and it was about the people serving one God. It was a symbolism thing. You do not need to go into your closet and start throwing away all the polycotton blends, okay? It, it doesn't matter anymore. We're not under the Old Testament anymore, and, and that was a specific thing for the time. You could keep reading in that chapter, and you're going to find the scripture about tattoos, and you're going to find the scripture about not eating meat that still has the blood in it. And you could walk away, and you could go, oh, no, I have to eat my steaks. Well done, and I, and I can't get it tattoo. That's not God's specific will for you. It, it, he might have a specific will in that area, but don't misinterpret scripture. You need to learn that. Uh, I eat my steaks medium rare because I'm not under the Old Testament anymore. That was about germs. And I have a tattoo because I wanted it. And I don't think God's specific will has anything to do with that. His moral will doesn't have anything to do with that. So you have to decide those things along the way. In the book of Matthew, God says to Peter, I want you to walk on water. You could be reading along and you'd be going, oh, the will of God is for me to walk on water. Go for it. <laughs> Just make sure somebody's got a video camera. I mean, when I was, when I was at the Sea of Galilee... I so wanted to jump out of the, you take this little tour boat out into the Sea of Galilee. And I so wanted to jump out of the boat. I even asked the tour guide, you know, that was with us if I could do it. I just, I mean, I, you know, 99% sure I was going to sink, but I thought, what, what the heck, it'd be a great video, right? The boat owner said, no, you can't do it. Our insurance won't allow it. Evidently, I'm not the first idiot who had the idea, right? <laughs> Evidently, somebody's done it before, maybe had a problem. I'm just saying, if I own a boat on the Sea of Galilee, I have a plexiglass platform off of one side so that one person on the tour, you can say, hey, jump on that side, and it'll look like you're Jesus. That would be awesome. That's just the way 
I think. You don't have to, okay? So what I'm saying is, when you're looking for the specific will of God, that's not what Scripture is going to necessarily give you. It's going to give you the overall moral will of God. That's what's important for you. And if you need help with this, we have an After We Believe class every month here. We have the What We Believe, and then we have an After We Believe class, and we would love for you to come and be a part of it. We will give you reading plans. If you fill out that Next Steps card, we will give you reading plans. We can give you help. I'm, I'm, I had to tell you guys, it is so easy. If you're reading Leviticus and you read that verse, two clicks on the internet, and boom, you'll find a commentary that will explain that to you. It's not that difficult. And here's an even better thing. I want to I pump the UVerse, uh, version app on your phone, iPad, whatever, any kind of phone. version is, is an incredible tool for you to use to study the Bible. It is free. It was put together by a life church down in Oklahoma, Craig Groeschel. I, I used some of his stuff recently. Uh, fantastic resource for you, all free. They give it away, and you could have that on. I mean, sometimes, you know, when I'm at church, I, 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 I don't bring my Bible anywhere anymore. I mean, I, I don't even bring it when I travel because it's on there. Just pull it out right there, boom, it's that simple. You need to get into the Word of God to understand the, the umbrella of God's Word. And here's the, here's the problem. You can be confused about tattoos or, or whatever it is, but, but Mark Twain, I think, said it really best. He said, it, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, there's enough of this that we know that I know I'm outside of the umbrella. I'm, I'm outside of it right now in this, in this place in my life. Great story out of the Old Testament. King David is... Um, is, is, has been anointed king, but King Saul is still the reigning king, and King Saul is trying to kill David. He has not yet taken the throne. So Saul has the power, he has all the men, and David and his little band of men are running around trying to stay alive uh, while Saul is killing them, trying to kill them. So they end up in a cave one day hiding while Saul's men are around. And evidently, Saul's, even though he's king, he has a bashful bladder, Okay. He could never make it at Wrigley Field. He, he, is not, he is not able to go to the bathroom with anybody else around, evidently. So he wants to go uh, find a cave to relieve himself. Right. See, the Bible's really interesting. I mean, you got, you got, you got to understand this. This is amazing. So Saul proceeds by himself, obviously, to go into the cave to go to the bathroom in this cave while David and his men are all back in the cave watching this whole thing go on. So Saul proceeds to make himself as vulnerable as humanly possible while David is in here and his men are like, David, God has given Saul into your hands. I mean, you're never going to have a better opportunity to kill him than right now. This is it. And think about it. David's emotions are saying kill Saul. His circumstances are saying kill Saul. His friends are saying kill Saul. There's one thing that's saying don't kill Saul. David says, no, the word of God says I cannot kill the king's anointed. So he said, I will not lift my hand against the king. And God honored that, even though it would have been a lot easier for him at that point. God honored that and made him the greatest king of Israel. Here's what I want you to, what, what I want you to hear. The more familiar you become with the providential will of God, what he's going to do anyway, and the more obedient you become to the moral will of God, what he wants everybody to do, the easier it is for you to discover the personal will of God. And, and honestly, some of you have been taught things ab about scripture that 
they're not in there, okay? And, and, and you may need to relearn some things, you know, like the tattoo scripture, or for some of you, you know, observing certain days, or, or not eating meat on, on Fridays, or, or birth control. Can, can, I just, can I just tell you that there's nothing in the Bible about using or not using birth control? Our children's ministry is overrun. Can I just tell you this, okay? <laughs> I mean, I make jokes, but seriously, I don't believe that God has a specific will for very many people about how many kids they have. That's what I'm talking about. God gave you freedom of choice and have as many or don't have as many as you want. That's all good. What God has a specific will about is how you train your children. That's why this is so important. We have to understand to be under the umbrella and then know the things that we do, that we know and do the things that we do. A lot of times we end up, you know, reading things into Scripture that weren't there in the first place, and then we end up in a very embarrassing situation like my favorite news blooper of all time. Sometimes that's what happens. I, I'm, I'm just sure this is what God wants, but I'm reading it wrong. That's why you need to study it. That's why it's important that you learn the Word for yourself. And I'm just, I just want to say this. Don't believe me, okay? Just because I'm up here and you're there, don't believe me. You go figure it out for yourself what God wants for you. It's through Scripture. Number two is He guides us through His Spirit. This is what I'm talking about more in the personal will of God's category. Apostle Paul says he was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I believe I was compelled by the Spirit to move to Chicago, and I believe he had us here for a reason, and and that's part of what's going on. The Spirit is going to illuminate the way for you. Now, you might be, okay, how do I know if it's the Spirit or, you know, or the Chipotle I had last night? How how do I know what the difference is? And I can't specifically tell you, but, but I can tell you when it came to coming to Chicago, there was such a strong prompting, and everything else fell in line so many different ways that it was exactly, we knew it was God. God's will. We knew that it was the Spirit. The problem for a lot of us is that we can't hear the Holy Spirit because our life is so full of noise. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah's kind of discouraged and um, he wants to go meet with God. And so God says, go out and stand on the mountain. The Lord is about to pass by. And a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And you would think, oh, well, that, that's where God was, right? In the powerful wind. He, he worked in the wind in Pentecost, right? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake. Well, there was an earthquake when Jesus died. There, 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 were, you know, there were earthquakes that God used along the way, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Well, yeah, fire, that makes sense, right? Burning bush. Elijah's already called down fire on the, on the altar for the prophets of Baal. But the Lord was not in the fire. He was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. He wasn't in the earth, winter fire. See that? And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over and went out to the mouth of the cave and met with God. New Revised Standard Version calls that the sound of sheer silence. This is why it's so important to have time in your life daily, if you can, where you sit down with the Word of God and you sit down with a few moments of uninterrupted, uninterrupted silence and you, you, you read this and you, and you learn from this and, and then you ask, you just listen, you just ask God, tell me what you want me to do. It's really not that hard. Jesus said in John 14, he said, you will know the spirit. My spirit will be with you and my spirit is in you. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in there. It's just that we got to listen. Third way is through other people. 
The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen, when you have people around you, it makes things work. That's the way the Bible was set up. That's the way humanity was set up. It is not good for man to be alone. Uh, Rob Lowe wrote a book about Hollywood. I mean, I don't care what you think about the Oscars or, you know, whatever, who got snubbed or what should have happened. Uh, What he said was, nobody has ever given a Best Actor, Best Actress award without the right cast around them. He said, who you're surrounded by is what makes things work in Hollywood. He said this, he said, choose vanilla people who don't challenge you and your life could go straight to DVD. The vision of the church is that we are in community with each other. When it's time to make decisions, we got to have people in our life that, that, are, that are spiritually mature that can help us, or our life is going to go straight to DVD. And you hear us talk about this all the time. I want to encourage you to be in a group of people that can help you. I want to encourage you to go do a host, go be a host home, go start your own small group, go out and talk to Richie and Leslie after this and grab a DVD and get some people together and do something more than just talk about the Blackhawks or, or what happened to Patrick. Cain or, or, you know, whatever is going on in, in the world. Uh, do something uh, to talk about the important parts of being in the will of God in your group. I mean, I've, I've told you this before, but there are three pastors that I have united myself with for the last 10 years. I've got two brother-in-laws that are pastors too, so I've got a good network of people. But when it comes time for me to make a decision or one of us to make a decision, nothing happens until we go through that network with each other. One of my buddies left his church to go be the head of a parachurch organization that, that plants new churches. And he, he sought the Lord and he prayed and he talked to a whole lot of people, but he did not make a move until he sat down with the other three of us and said, do you guys think this is from God? You need to have those people. Bill Hybels wrote a book um, called The Power of a Whisper, where he gives us five filters when it comes time to trying to figure out what God wants in our life. Five, five different filters, okay? The first one is, is this message truly from God? And, and I don't think we can really determine that right away, but that's the place to start. First thing I got to ask, is this really from God? The second thing is, is it scriptural? Again, we're going to go back to the light that God gives us in scripture, If you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I think that God wants me to be happy, and so God wants me to leave my marriage and go be with this other person, I I can very plainly cut you off right there and say, you know what, that's that's not what he wants, because that's not scriptural. The third question is, is it wise? I mean, it might not be. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily wise for Mary to be the mother of of Jesus. It kind of messed up her life. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily wise for Moses to lead the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy for Abraham. It, all of those things, okay? It's not always going to be wise necessarily from a worldly standpoint, but that's a question to ask. The, the fourth one is, is it in tune with how God wired you? Why is this important? I have people tell me all the time, I don't know how you get up and preach to thousands of people every weekend. That would just freak me out. And I don't either. I don't, know, I don't know why I have a big mouth and I'm not afraid of crowds. It's just how God made me. And he didn't make you that way. Guess what? If, if, if somebody came up with this, this job and they said, hey, Tim, we want you to go, to go be an administrator at some place, I, I, I would say, no, nah, that's a really, really bad idea. You know? There, there's, I mean, my staff would laugh out loud 
You don't want me organizing stuff. That's why I have all those people around me to help me because I'm not going to organize stuff. I'd be terrible at that. Nobody, nobody, God's, it is not God's will for me to be a bookkeeper, right? That would be a disaster. It's not probably not God's will for you to do what I do. And this happens a lot in, in missions. You know, we, we, we all get all gung-ho about missions. And I know a lot of times people feel like they're called to do something with their life and they go to the mission field and they realize that was not necessarily what God wanted in the first place. Because not everybody is supposed to go to a foreign land. And by the way, you could have life on mission right here. Don't forget that, right? So is it in tune with how God wired you? And the last one is, what do the people that you trust think about it? What do the people that you trust think about it? I mean, that's what's so important. That's why you need to have some people around you. I'm not talking about like the guys at the bar. I mean like people that have some spiritual know-how and and know what's going on. If you don't have those people in your life, make them. Make it happen. So let me go back to this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? all of it, right? Not part of it. Not like, I'm going to leave my options open, God, with all of your heart, all right? And lean not on your own understanding. This is a problem that I have, and and I think that a lot of us do as we get older, as we start to think, well, I've been under the umbrella of God for long enough. I think I got this figured out, and I start to lean on my own understanding instead of going back to him over and over again. Well, I'm savvy at this. You know, I got this figured out. I I, I got all this, and then I start leaning on my own understanding. That's not going to work either, And in all of your ways, there's that word again, all of your ways acknowledge him. Again, it can't be like, God, I just want to know your will over here because I know that, you know, you got, you got this will over here, but in this area of my life, I want to be over here. I just want your will over here. I got this all figured out over here on my own. This is how I want to do it. That, that's not how it's going to work. And that is when the promise is he will make your path straight. That is when everything is going to work. And and notice that scripture does not say he will guide you the way that you need to go. It literally says that God is going to bulldoze a path for you when you trust him with all and you follow him and you lean not on your own understanding and you acknowledge him as God in all your ways. Thomas Merton said it like this, we receive enlightenment only in proportion as we give ourselves more and more completely to God by humble submission and love. We do not first see and then act, we act and then see. And that is why the man who waits to see clearly before he will believe never really starts on the journey. At some point you're going to have to say, God, I don't know where this is going, I know this might not be easy, but I really want to follow you and I'm going to do whatever it is that you say. Let me put it this way. Surrender to the known will of God is what paves the way to the discovery of the unknown will of God. Let me say that again. It is surrender to the known will of God, the stuff that I already know that he wants for me, that is going to pave the way to the discovery of the unknown will of God. So what is it that you're allowing to get in the way? What are the decisions you need to make? 
to, to be in God's word, to, to spend some time being quiet with him every day, to be in a small group, to be in worship. Those are, I mean, that's like church, right? You get that. That's what we talk about all the time. But this is why. It is so that you can be under the umbrella of, of God's will and be in this place where you need to be. Because the truth of the matter is, at some point in your life, or at all points in your life, you're going to end up in a place where there is rain. You're going to end up in the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to read the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because if I've got God's guidance going on, then I'm under the umbrella. How'd I do? Pretty close? All right. I have my mark. And I don't want to give you any false misconceptions. Jesus said you're still going to have trouble in this life. You're still going to be in a situation where, you know, you're going to have puddles and you're going to have rain and you're still going to get wet. What I'm saying is if you don't have the umbrella of God's, uh, God's will and God's guidance, you're just going to make your life much more of a mess. This is what we talk about all the time. This is how to wreck your life. I read a report of a, of a homeowner down during one of the hurricanes down in Florida where like this one house was standing and all the other houses were demolished all around him. And they went and interviewed him and they said, how did this happen? And the guy goes, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't really know. He said, I built my house exactly according to the building code of this area of Florida. All I can guess is that the houses all around me cut some corners somewhere, tried to save a few dollars. And if they had just followed the code, maybe their houses would still be standing too. I want to read the 23rd Psalm together again, because the Lord is my shepherd. And we're going to do it out of the NIV. We did it a couple of weeks ago out of the King James. I want to do the NIV because I want, I want you to get it. So we'll read it together off the screen. I would just like for you to say this out loud with me and understand what it means. God is my shepherd. He's going to, he makes me lay down in green pastures. That's like he's taking me to the right place. And beside the still waters, that's the umbrella of God's will. And the more I submit myself to, to the known will that, I, that God has for me, the easier it's going to be for me to figure out the stuff that I don't know. Read this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lead us, good shepherd, and may we follow.